Welcome to Thoreau's Leaves, a podcast dedicated to the celebrated and lesser-known works of Henry David Thoreau. I'm your host, M. Allen Cunningham. October 29th, 1857. There are some things of which I cannot at once tell whether I have dreamed them or they are real, as if they were just perchance establishing or else losing a real basis in my world. This is especially the case in the early morning hours, when there is a gradual transition from dreams to waking thoughts, from illusions to actualities, as from darkness, or perchance moon and starlight, to sunlight. Dreams are real, as is the light of the stars and moon, and theirs is said to be a dreamy light. Such early morning thoughts, as I speak of, occupy a debatable ground between dreams and waking thoughts. They are a sort of permanent dream in my mind, at least until we have for some time changed our position from prostrate to erect and commenced or faced some of the duties of the day, we cannot tell what we have dreamed from what we have actually experienced. This morning, for instance, for the twentieth time at least, I thought of that mountain in the easterly part of our town, where no high hill actually is, which once or twice I had ascended, and often allowed my thoughts alone to climb. I now contemplate it in my mind as a familiar thought which I have surely had for many years from time to time, but whether anything could have reminded me of it in the middle of yesterday, whether I ever before remembered it in broad daylight, I doubt. I can now eke out the vision I had of it this morning with my old and yesterday forgotten dreams. My way up used to lie through a dark and unfrequented wood at its base. I cannot now tell exactly it was so long ago, under what circumstances I first ascended, only that I shuddered as I went along. I have an indistinct remembrance of having been out overnight alone, and then I steadily ascended along a rocky ridge, half-clad with stinted trees where wild beasts haunted, till I lost myself quite in the upper air and clouds, seeming to pass an imaginary line which separates a hill, mere earth heaped up from a mountain, into a subterranean grandeur and sublimity. What distinguishes that summit above the earthy line is that it is unhandled, awful, grand. It can never become familiar. You are lost the moment you set foot there. You know no path but wander, thrilled, over the bare and pathless rock as if it were solidified air and cloud. That rocky, misty summit, secreted in the clouds, was far more thrillingly awful and sublime than the crater of a volcano spouting fire. This is a business we can partly understand. The perfect mountain height is already thoroughly purified. It is as if you trod with awe the face of a god turned up, unwittingly but helplessly, yielding to the laws of gravity. And are there not such mountains, east or west, from which you may look down on Concord in your thought, and on all the world? In dreams I am shown this height from time to time, and I seem to have asked my fellow once to climb there with me, 
and yet I am constrained to believe that I never actually ascended it. It chances, now I think of it, that it rises in my mind where lies the burying hill. You might go through its gate to enter that dark wood. I came out, as I descended, breathing the thicker air. I came out the belt of wood into a familiar pasture and along down by a wall. Often, as I go along the low side of this pasture, I let my thoughts ascend toward the mount, gradually entering the stinted wood, nature subdued, and the thinner air, and drape themselves with mists. There are ever two ways up. One is through the dark wood, the other through the sunny pasture. That is, I reach and discover the mountain only through the dark wood, but I see to my surprise, when I look off between the mists from its summit, how it is ever adjacent to my native fields, nay, imminent over them, and accessible through a sunny pasture. Why is it that in the lives of men we hear more of the dark wood than of the sunny pasture? A hard-featured god reposing, whose breath hangs about his forehead. Thurow's Leaves is read by M. Allen Cunningham and produced by Atelier 26 Books, publisher of Funny-Ass Thoreau, the first ever compendium of Thoreau's humor. Visit us at atelier26books.com. You can support this podcast at anchor.fm slash Thank you for listening. So long for now.